Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Film Squawk. Our Bodies Are Doctors. Written and directed by Jan Hawken. 2019. A cohort of feminist physicians navigate the abortion stigma in American medicine and expose the current religious stronghold that limits access to full-service health care. As I was preparing notes for today's podcast, it dawned on me that this is our ninth episode of season two for Crow Talk. Wow. And every single episode outside of that first under the tent in my bedroom <laughs> the hot podcast, breath tent. <laughs> yeah, the hot breath tent, outside of our pilot episode, every single Crow Talk podcast has been brought to you from the comfort, the cozy oasis that is Western Washington University's Humanities Building. Yay, we love the Humanities Building. Also, people in the Humanities Building, you know who you are. We love you. You know who you are. You know exactly who you You are. You know who you are. I don't think we realized we would be doing the podcast this long or that we intend to do it for quite a bit more time. And so I think we thought, yeah, this would be a little bit more temporary than it's become. And so we haven't paid proper love and care and do to Western for hosting us, for truly sponsoring and believing in this endeavor. So we love you, Deb W. Mm. Yay, Western. Thank you so much. So Our Bodies, Our Doctors is a film that the Pickford is showing, has shown for their Doctober event, which happens every year for, believe it, October. Uh, Whenever we're podcasting about a film that they show, we went and utilized their very generous free tickets. And so we want to make sure and give a major shout out to the Pickford and encourage everyone who listens to go out and experience a little bit of documentary this October. So this is our very first documentary podcast. It's pretty wild in the amount we've done. And we love documentaries. Yeah, we do. I think I'm pretty choosy, but I dig in. When I'm into a doc, I am all in and excited. Same. I think Cassie's the most well-watched doc gal on the team. Ooh, wow. I'm the doc gal on the team. You can call me doc. I think it's true. (laughs) (laughs) My friends call me doc. My friends call me doc. That's my new name, doc. Doc. Okay, doc. So yays and nays for... Our Bodies Are Doctors, our very first documentary. Doc here. Not to be confused with a doctor. Okay. (laughs) My yay for this film, and I think part of it was the viewing experience of the film. There was a a good mix of people out at the theater, but I sat next to two women that were probably in their 70s. They had a really, really, really hard time watching the procedurals. And so I think the yay for me is like the huge reminder that women have been fighting for rights for centuries, forever. And that journey continues today. And it's not a journey any of us is walking alone. It's something that's like all women have to be on board to move women forward. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like a specific enough yay, but it's just this reminder. You know, we have to continue pushing for equality as white women, we don't even have like near the worst of it at all um, in this journey. So just to support one another and and remembering that like deep sisterhood that we all have as women. So like, yeah, it was emotional in that theater. <laughs> I wanted to like hug the woman next to me that I've never met before, like or hold her hand. Mm. So don't sit next to me in a theater during an emotional film. I'll hold your hand. <laughs> She'll maul you with love and affection. Hi, yay for this film was seeing a demystified uh, 
abortion. I, I didn't know what that looked like. And it was really difficult to watch and um, just a really valuable experience as someone who has a uterus to see what that looks like. Oh my God. Good. Yay. Wow. Thank you. And I second both of those yays. Absolutely. And they directly feed into my yay, which is that this entire production could just continue to illuminate the conversation around how much we don't know about our own history and about the state of our current healthcare, what we're able to access and what limitations are out there that we won't know about until we're in crisis, potentially. Yeah, that was very surprising. And that directly relates to my nay, which stems off of something you already mentioned, Cassidy. Though this film I never felt was graphic, you definitely get a up-close view of clinical procedures. And for anyone who is not comfortable in a hospital or in a doctor's office setting, this could be a, a very alarming or uncomfortable viewing experience when the speculum went in many women. I was immediately thrust back to my own annual appointments and the physical discomfort and experience itself, just the physicality. I couldn't feel it, but I remembered the feeling. It was so in your face in a really uh, positive way, but not necessarily everyone's cup of tea. So maybe a home viewing for this film would be more beneficial for that type of viewer. I want to piggyback exactly on that, Nay, because the women that were sitting next to me like were crying during the procedurals. It was very emotional. It was emotional in that theater. Um, yeah, so I think I am going to just directly piggyback on your nay, Rochelle, that it is it is rather visceral, though I do think it's important. There is a doctor in it, a male doctor, but he talks about his experience, even like aborting a fuller term pregnancy. And it's 20 a, weeks, right? Was it over mm -hmm, 20 weeks? It was over 20. And I think it's like going from zero to 100. Like we have none of this information presented to us really like Again, in like snippets, if you follow certain news outlets or whatever, like you're aware of what's going on nationwide. But yeah, you're not aware of like, unless you've been through an abortion, I think the actual reality of what that looks like. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but I do think, yeah, it's a lot to take in after really never having that type of information presented to us as women. <laughs> Yeah, that was also my nay, is that it was triggering, <clears throat> potentially, um, especially if you've had that procedure, I'm sure, which is, I think, what we were experiencing vicariously through the other audience members. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't even really thought of it in that capacity, how many of the emotions I was experiencing while viewing were my own and how many were empathetically drawn. Well, because we all know as women, like, what it is, not that getting an annual exam is a violation but we all know like what a, a you know it is on a level violating even oh, though yeah. it's voluntary um and like we've all in this room had IUDs so we understand like mm -hmm. passing the cervix which oh. yowza yeah I mean then, anything that goes into you even an injection you know that's invasive it's mm -hmm. just an invasive thing yeah yeah and to 
see like the nurse like the pov of the camera with the nurses like up there holding the hand of the patient and stuff because it was shot like patients head down to their knees that were up um yeah but even that like remind it's painful like those procedures even to get birth control is painful um and, and that I, came through in the film and it came through in the film yeah which i think is important um because people need to understand that like women aren't going out to get abortions because they like had a blast at a party and got not, you know, it's like a big decision to make and it's a big thing physically and emotionally to go through. And I did appreciate that about how visceral the procedurals were. Cause I think that's important to know. I mean, I, I think that even carries can carry over into sexual assault and that, you know, like violating a woman and like what that means to actually have to terminate a pregnancy. <sighs> And the setting established in Our Bodies, Our Doctors utilized the vehicle, I believe, of intimacy uh, and compassion, truly compassionate uh, patient care to open up that dialogue and to open up that experience to us, though it wasn't graphic, we felt that personal aspect. We we got to see real people in their real appointments, in their real, real procedures. And with a film like this that's focusing on the practitioner to a degree and what they're navigating, which is really, I think, the crux of, of what Jan was getting at here, looking at like the war on abortion providers and the niche that this uh, medical fringe group ultimately wage just to be able to provide this type of health care. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I assumed any OBGYN or you know, if you had that sort of background medically that you would be able to perform an abortion. But I mean, they're kind of other like um, chiropractors a little bit. Like, I mean, it's the same idea. They're not looked at as seriously in the medical fields, which is wild. I'm grateful that this film shone some light on just like what the medical community is dealing with, too, because it's just so crazy. I don't know. It's just people want to help people be healthy. And I don't understand what the fuck is the problem. Just help people live and be healthy. Yeah, I really did appreciate the filmmaker's vantage point, which was very um, clinical. <clears throat> she wasn't wanting to talk necessarily about um, the really complex question of, you know, everyone's morals around this topic. She just wanted to talk about health care for these women and what that looks like. I really, really appreciated that. And I think sometimes that's hard to do in a documentary. You know, it's supposed to be unbiased, but it's always there. I really felt it was unbiased. I don't know what you ladies thought about that. I mean, it's hard to say. Well, yeah, no, I do feel like it was unbiased. I found it to be constitutionally sound. Yeah. And there will be an entire sector of individuals who want for our non-establishment clause to be eradicated from the constitution in that they want to enact what would be considered like a state religion in the case of abortions where we we make allowances to limit freedoms and liberties because we have bl blanketed um, a religious-based concept because we're indoctrinating our constitution with religious ideologies that's what's happening people that's what's happening. Which we just, we can't, we cannot do under the current constitution. 
Yeah, it's hard because people, I mean, it's such a heated, opinionated topic on both sides. So it's hard for me to even comp- contemplate what neutral means <laughs> in this conversation. Absolutely. I feel mm-hmm. the exact same way. Yeah. So it's hard to say unbiased or not, though. Mm-hmm. I do feel like it's as neutral as it could have been. Neutral's on, on great. Both I think that's a good word. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Which I think is what you meant by. Yeah. Just from a healthcare standpoint versus. Um, Personal. any other standpoint it's just like this person needs care and that is the sentence period <laughs> that's what it is there were quite a few surprises that emerged uh, in this film for me as far as what I don't know uh, historically or about current healthcare policies I was surprised to learn about the limitations for m- miscarriage care and what happens in our in even our own hospitals? Um, yeah, Rochelle, I was also floored to learn that living in Washington, which is a blue state, it's a very liberal state, that half of our hospitals are Catholic hospitals. And that means, gentle listeners, that if you have a miscarriage and the pregnancy medically is not going to make it, it's medically considered terminated, If there's a heartbeat in the fetus, you as the mother or women as the pregnant mother could die because they will not go in and help you with that miscarriage until there's no heartbeat on the fetus. So it becomes very dangerous for the mothers, which is just not going to say my opinion, but wow. You should. Facts. (laughs) Yikes. I was also floored when I heard that too. Um because that's our only hospital here peace health like people in bellingham know this like we have a catholic hospital so does that mean we have to flight for life and like hope that we're lucky in choosing the seattle hospital right and skagit uh recently made some pretty huge organizational shifts and they are not affiliated or if their affiliation with a catholic Uh, institution is still intact. It's not impeding their ability to provide um, miscarriage care. But now they are receiving so much state delegated funds that they have massive restrictions on their own benefits as employees there. They were completely stripped of, of the necessary affordable health care for just the employees and doctors and nurses. And so now a completely different problem is emerging in Skagit because they don't, they are not able to hold on to their staff because whether it's they don't have the Catholic institution money, the privatized money or not, now they're getting so much state funding that they also fall under different types of restrictions that drastically reduce quality of life for the for the medical staff so this is it's just nuts that we are having these types of problems obviously we all think that but there are other issues on the other side as as well so it was covered in the q a rochelle went to a q a panel afterwards because the filmmaker was there that's where that additional information came in uh specifically about what services we are able to access at our local hospital here. That was so no miscarriage care. Correct. There are there are individuals who work at Peace Health who are in close connection with freestanding clinics in town that work to bridge gaps and provide safe 
accessible healthcare in those emergency situations. But there are major restrictions at our local hospital. I haven't heard of many women having to get flight for lives to Seattle out of Bellingham, but I've not researched it and like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> and you remember you were talking about the the two women sitting next to you? Their daughter almost died in this exact situation at St. Joe's. That's why they were so so they were like crying. I oh thought it was because that I I assumed um that it was because they had maybe undergone a, an abortion before it had been legalized before Roe v. Wade um because during Women Among Us uh Linda McCarthy who's the executive director of Planned Parenthood locally uh told us as filmmakers Women Among Us is a project, sorry, I'm digressing, gentle listeners, but it's a project that we do every March and we take photographs of 30 local women and then just post them and honor them for Women's History Month. Um, So the executive director of Planned Parenthood in Bellingham was one of our first Women Among Us in 2016. And we photographed her days before the Women's March, like days, like they were running out of pussy hats, (laughs) like days (laughs) before. And um, she had suggested that we do a documentary about medical professionals who performed abortions before Roe v. Wade because she had just been inundated with people sharing those types of stories because they were scared of what's happening, (laughs) of women's rights being stripped down again. So anyway, yeah, it was it's a that was a crazy film to watch in a theater because I feel like many of the viewers probably did have personal ties to the subject matter. Well, and what you just mentioned reminded me of Judith Arcana, an interviewee in the film who was a member of the Janes, which was an establishment, an underground establishment that assisted women with abortions, I believe before the Roe v. Wade decision. And it was a, a group that is essentially like a code word you better call Jane or you call the number and ask for Jane. And it was a way for women to secretly connect with access to abortion care. And so what you were just mentioning really reminded me of, of that, the idea of interviewing these warriors, these healthcare warriors, these feminist providers uh, and activists before the decision. It also reminds me of a new handbook that's been developed Uh, It's called Handbook for a Post-Row America by Robin Marty. And there's a a print copy available for like 15 bucks or an ebook for $8. And it essentially helps prepare women and uh, individuals with uteruses on how to access health care, specifically abortion care, when this is overturned, when Roe v. Wade is no more. It's like... What are those books, the disaster books that like, prepare, what are they called? Survivalist, yeah. Yeah, survival Manual. Survivalist yeah. Guide to a Post-Roe America. I mean, that sounds terrifying. A po- like what Linda was saying, and it's been some years, so I'm not going to directly quote her, but it was brutal. Like I remember her saying something about a doctor who like, because women were dying trying to perform these abortions. Absolutely. Too. They were dying. So... She said something about how someone had mentioned to her, and we might not even want to include this, but they had like come down on an elevator on the hospital and it opened up in the wing where like the women were that like had tried to perform their own abortions in the smell. Like I remember her talking about like the smell of death. 
Absolutely. Well, and those women all risked felony homicide charges. Infanticide? Is that the term? Killing what is thought to be a child? And so they they took that risk and then nearly died. Come on, America. Come on. I did read something about <clears throat> Roe v. Wade um, going away and how it could actually be a positive thing. Ooh. Um, because it is still a disempowering it is. Uh, piece of legislation. It's true. Where, uh, at the time, especially... At the time, especially where men are making these policies, it's still the case now. Um, you know, it still puts the power in a man's hand, you know? Um, as a provider, as they're the, provider, the doctor, as they the get to choose to do it or not. Correct. If it's up to them, which is still, it's not good enough. It was good for them, but it's still not good enough for now. So I was reading this very <laughs> helpful um, article about how... Um, it would, if that were to be overturned, it would ignite such outrage that we'd actually see some reform that serves women um, that could be more effective and more powerful. So there's that. The male doctor, um, I believe, brought that up in the film. Did he? I think he did. Uh, I was really taken with him. <laughs> it was nice to see a man, like a male doctor on screen who does have women's health care and mm -hmm. his patients lives he cares about that and he wants the best for them and he was doing a great job at being a feminist go you i don't remember your name but yay i was thankful that the film was rooted in basically three cities oklahoma city portland and then seattle in the greater seattle area of renton it gave me a personal aspect since obviously we were in Washington. My parents live in Oregon and I've lived in Oregon in my past. And it was startling to learn about Oregon and to learn about Washington. But what's going on in Oklahoma City is nuts. They are required to wait 72 hours after being read like a debriefing by the clinician at the front desk when they, when a patient calls in to seek abortion services, there's this long delay period that they have to sit with and only then can they be seen. But because there are so many strict rules and there are so few clinics, I believe three in Oklahoma, they have to fly in abortion providers who are there for like two days. And in those two days, they see 60 to 70 patients, clients in two back-to-back -back days. And this is just like their side gig. This is just a passionate feminist healthcare provider making themselves available to these disenfranchised communities that have very strict laws. And if somehow a patient can't get in in a timely manner, not only could their their pregnancy go too far past what's allowed for within their laws for having an abortion just because maybe they wanted to 
they, they need to save money or they didn't find out right away, but then they have to be able to get an appointment, wait their 72 hours, and hope that they can be one of the 60, 70 patients that the visiting provider gets to see that week. It That is unconstitutional in every sense of the word because it's eliminating our access to our autonomy. And I was surprised by it. Well, I was surprised that that was happening. That's happening in multiple states in our country. It. And now. on top of it, <laughs> like women have to travel to Oklahoma, like from out of state Oklahoma to get to one of the three clinics. And one of the women in the documentary had to get her cervix dilated overnight, like, which is hotel. so kind of them. The mm-hmm. clinic, I believe, they footed the for- bill for that. Yeah, they did. But can you imagine, like, think about that for a second. Like, you have to fly or drive a ghastly distance to get medical care that's going to suck and it's going to be painful. And then for 24 hours before, by the way, like, you have to stay in a hotel and get your cervix dilated and then fly home. Like... I'm impressed by women who have had abortions that still have hope in our democracy, honestly. Because I'm just like, how do you go through that and have faith in legislation? I found a lot of comfort in the tenacity of the providers that we got to follow. Dr. Chiaverini, Dr. Prager, Dr. Willie Parker, Dr. Oyer, they each practiced a different type of medicine, maybe focusing on abortion provider or family planning. Some of them travel, some of them work in stationary clinics. Uh, Dr. Willie Parker was an enigmatic activist who was interviewed multiple times in the, the documentary. And it was exciting to see their perseverance and commitment to making sure that humans with uteruses had support and had practical access to care, to health care. I really appreciated Dr. Prager's outlook, though Dr. Prager and Dr. Oyer definitely view themselves as physicians in a marginalized medical group. Dr. Prager specifically spoke about other medical professionals having shame about performing abortions, having shame about uh, participating or assisting in abortions, or just mostly just saying it's a bad thing for a good reason. And Dr. Prager said that she likes being the abortion provider that she is. She likes her job because she knows that she is helping people. And that is the entire call to being a doctor. Right. Well, the and, these, oath. and these doctors are like going through things that most doctors don't experience, like death threats. Absolutely. Like not mm-hmm. parking near the hospitals they work at because they're scared people will see what car they drive. I mean, like they really put their entire life on the line, you know, reputation wise, but also literally mm-hmm. in order to provide these services to women. It's I mean, yeah, it like makes me feel like there are suffragette sisters, you know, it's like a big part of the fight and, you know, the male doctors included Mm -hmm. at the front lines. This is wild Mm -hmm. what they go through. At the center of Jan's documentary was the message of reproductive justice, which often gets lumped in with other feminist work, but was really the work of black women feminists 
in the 1990s. Sometimes the word feminist doesn't include all women. It's kind of the dirty little secret for white women. It's not a dirty little secret for black women. Same with suffragettes. Like yes. suff the suffragette movement, gentle listeners in America, <laughs> is pretty much in the, it's directly related to white supremacy. So mm -hmm. there you go. And though feminism is absolutely breaking down patriarchal notions, reproductive justice completely retrains the lens on trusting women and making that what we champion. Looking at women through the lens of women and not carrying the burden of the past, but setting that burden free and setting it down to move forward to just hold whole women. And that was the name of the main clinic we followed. Trust Women, South Wind Women's Clinic. And in, in one of the shots, there was a, a bulletin board with all these notes, thank you notes from past patients. And one of them said, love you, South Wind Beneath My Wings. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I do remember that. Though I pulled a classic Cassidy doc today i didn't do my research Ooh. but that is the element of the entire film that i'm most excited to learn more about is reproductive justice so i think as women we should all thoroughly i mean i'm not telling you to go out and do research but we should probably know more than we all do at least just like us average gals like me who have no fucking idea what's going on with my medical care around me i'm just like oh well, I mean, it's sort of been the mantra for the past four years for me is I can't believe this is happening. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I can't believe this is happening somewhere that it's happening this close. It's happening at my hospital, but it is and it's institutionalized. It's it's a part of our society. It's a part of our culture um, that women are objectified mm -hmm. on so many levels, even in our medicine. So such a power struggle. Yeah, it's a crazy power struggle. For the control of female bodies. Yeah. And to listeners, do you know we're tired? We women. <laughs> we're tired. So tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of, of being so incredulous all the time. Oh, I'm so tired of that. It reminds me of the not sorry hat one of the patients was wearing as she's oh, having her that. abortion. That was so awesome. And the framing of the amazing. hat was perfect. It was incredible. And I was so thankful to every single patient who willingly was filmed. We never saw their faces, and I was thankful for that. It was not salacious. There was no fame <laughs> happening here. But they welcomed an audience into a, a very personal moment. One of the doctors made it very clear that though not every abortion is sad, every person with a uterus who is vacating a pregnancy is having an experience. Yeah, I'm just, again, I'm tired <laughs> of all the bullshit. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just really tired. I don't have much else to say about it. I'm just tired. Vote. 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 Yeah, freaking vote. That's a takeaway right there. Vote. Yeah, that's an amazing takeaway. That's take my takeaway. <laughs> Owning it. Doc here. <laughs> Go vote. Do your research. Doc already said, listen to Doc. Do your research. I'm going to read more. Uh, this entire movement, um, this entire film, even the name dates back to an original feminist piece of literature, Our Bodies, Ourselves, which I've never read and really should read. Yes. I appreciated same. last year reading uh, Rebecca Todd Peters' book, 
trust women. I come from a religious background, uh, an evangelical religious background. Ooh. <laughs> and <The> granddaddy. <laughs> I have all sorts of qualms and all sorts of issues. And that book helped unpack that because she's actually a feminist minister. And this entire book was based on reproductive justice and trusting women, obviously, right in the title. So that was a great experience. And I just, I need to know more and be surprised less. And that's on me. I have to educate myself better. I mean, it's on you, but it's like on society as a whole too. Like, do you remember the little like health education class with the school nurse where you like learned how about tampons and to like wash your face up by your hair length? You don't want to break out. Did anyone have <laughs> I this? Like, have I didn't like, have that. Our moms had to come with us. Oh my gosh. What? Yeah, it was like preparing us for like, pu- you know, if you had your period, I think they were just trying to lessen the shock that would for have been kids. Awesome. I didn't have that. <laughs> Did not have that. Well, they that. should be doing that, but then including maybe not at that age, you know, but this should be in sexual education. Consent education. Yeah. Everything needs to expand. Education really needs to improve. And I know that there are relentless warriors working to improve it. We just have to listen. We have to consume it. We have to open our ears and learn and listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think education is the nail on the head because that's the only way this will change. Yeah. Especially in America where we love to pretend like everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. There's so many lies out there and I'm excited that filmmakers like Jan Hawken are unpacking these lies and bringing us a side of the story through a lens we haven't quite considered of feminist healthcare providers relentlessly pursuing access and ability to a human, basic human right. Roe v. Wade, legal case in which the U.S. Supreme Court on January 22, 1973 ruled that unduly restrictive state regulation of abortion is unconstitutional. In a majority opinion written by Justice Blackman, the court held that a set of Texas statutes criminalizing abortion in most instances violated a woman's constitutional right of privacy, which it found to be implicit in the liberty guaranteed of the due process clause of the 14th Amendment, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. This has been a Talking to Crows production. 